Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient text of Dao De Jing to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wang, executive coach. I'm joined by my co-host Ian Felton, practicing psychotherapist. Good morning, Ian. Morning, David. How are you? It's just a, a beautiful time of year up here. Right now, we're getting the nice, cool mornings, and it's maybe staying in the seventies during the day. And so, it's for me, it's it's quite a lovely, lovely stretch of of days, and hopefully, a, a few more on on the way. How about you? That's great to hear. Yes, I know.、Uh, before it gets cold, to enjoy, you know, the、um, the autumn season,、uh, it's really wonderful. I have a lot of good memories of、uh, Minneapolis.、Uh, right now in Minnesota,、uh, in uh, Florida today,、uh, it's nice and sunny. And、uh, last night was the harvest moon. You know, also traditionally, it's Chinese. Uh, Mid uh, Autumn Festival,、mm. we call it. Zhongqiujie. Zhongqiujie, yeah.、Mm. So there was a, you know, there was a big celebration.、Uh, you know, I could watch、uh, over WeChat.、Uh, symbolically, Yating and I bought some mooncakes、mm. uh, from online, and、uh, so we celebra- celebrated in a very、uh, in a small way. Well, that sounds nice. I know the. I've had the mooncakes from Costco before. Are those worth getting? Do you like those? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, uh, you know one of our favorites over the years. And this year we decided to get another kind of styles,、uh, another kind, another style of mooncake. Because in different parts of China,、uh, they're just you know just like cuisine.、Uh, you know, there are different kinds. Uh, the one we typically get from Costco is the Cantonese one. You know, it's sweet. It has the、uh, the egg yolk in it, right? Is that the one you get typically get? Yeah, I've had the the ones with the yolk, and what I've found, it really is about the quality of how the yolk is preserved within the cake. Yeah, because if it's dry, that that is not a good mooncake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love those. The ones we get、uh, this year is actually、uh, is the style from、uh, the area where where I was born, born and grew up, Su- near、uh, Jiangsu Province,、mm. Suzhou. So it's called the Su Shi Yuebi, like the Su style. What makes it What makes it that style?、Uh, less sweet, and、uh, also with all kinds of.、Uh, Like sesame and other nuts in it. Oh, yeah, sound good. Yeah, yeah. So that I mean, Yatin bought it uh, uh, this year because、uh, you know it just reminds of of our、uh, childhood. <laughs> so it sounds lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So、um, yeah, so it's nice. At this time of the year, you know, with the moon, and hopefully in your area with the the beautiful, spectacular foliage. Exactly. Great. So, let's get started on、uh, you know today's session. We are back again to Dao De Jing Chapter Seven, and、uh, this chapter mainly continues with you know the previous chapters. Uh, talking about Tao and and heaven and earth, and also the human embodiment of heaven and earth and Tao, Shengren.、Uh, so, you know, why don't we start by reading the original text? Would you mind,、uh, you know, just reading the Chinese in Chinese chapter seven? I'd love to give it a shot. 天长地久，天地所以能长且久者
以其不自生，故能长生。是以圣人后起身而身先，外起身而生存。非以其无私也，故能成其私。That's perfect. That's perfect. Uh. So let let me、uh, share with our listeners one of the you know versions of the translations.、Um, the Tao of Heaven is eternal, and the Earth is long enduring. Why are they long enduring? They do not live for themselves; thus, they are present for all beings. The master puts herself last and finds herself in the place of authority. She detaches herself from all things; therefore, she is united with all things. She gives no thought of of self; she is perfectly fulfilled. What do you think? Well, I think definitely the last line about when you put yourself last, how that contributes to fulfillment. I don't want to jump too far ahead, and obviously we want to talk about the other things. But for me, it's just it makes perfect sense because the times when usually when we feel the most Anxiety or self-consciousness—it's like we're really worried about ourselves, and so、right. just by being concerned about other things and not worrying about ourselves, that automatically leads to fulfillment. But you know, that's a tough thing to do, just because of how our nervous system works and how we're wired, and really how our culture continues to promote people—you know—just. Focus on your identity. Focus on shaping your personality. Focus on being well liked. Focus on just all of these concerns that make people focus so much on themselves and and not really too much on others. So, I think it's I think it's it's sage wisdom, David. Mm-hmm. 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 That's a good point.、Uh, you know, when I read that line, the first reaction I had was, "Oh, this is really kind of a counter.、Uh, it's it's like against the grains of our culture. Our culture, you know, from very early on, encourages encourages us to to get ahead. I think getting ahead is the most important thing instead of putting yourself last, right? 身后 As opposed to, you know, getting ahead of everybody. But the interesting thing is, the cultural belief is that we get fulfilled or maybe self-actualized、mm. through being successful and getting ahead. Yeah, it doesn't. the The culture doesn't give us other options. That success is purely defined in ways that are aligned with the economic system, and so it's all based around wealth and status. And obviously, the more status you have, the more wealth you can have, and so they're they're intertwined. It's the same thing. Um, and so it. it That no one's given another option. It's it's like even if you just if 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 you said to your high school guidance counselor, probably. I mean, I don't know if people still do that or not. It's been a long time since I was in school, but I'm just imagining explicitly or implicitly if someone who had a lot of p- potential to succeed in Normal terms said, 
you know what, I just want to have a simple life and take care of, you know, the, the people in my area. And, you know, I don't really care about doing anything other than just living simply and, and caring for others. Most people would say, oh, well, they, they didn't live up to their potential. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You're, you know, mentioning the, uh, uh, guidance counselors, uh, I had an opportunity to work with some of them in some of my work. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, the, you know, Amer- the U.S. universities, uh, the admission uh, offices uh, published a white paper in collaboration with the uh, Harvard Graduate School of Education. Mm. That paper focuses on, uh, I remember the title is called uh, Turning the Tides. Basically, in the high school arena, in order to get into the top universities, there's this red race. And people compete based on, you know, the number of, you know, AP courses they take, um, you know, the kind of the uh, extracurricular activities they do. you know, just very achievement driven. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming out of balance. It's mm-hmm. unhealthy. So the uh, Harvard Graduate School uh, of Education actually had an initiative. Uh, that initiative aims at uh, promoting, you know, what you just said, like a caring and, uh, you know, well-being. So the really that uh, the initiative is called making caring common. So those, you know, trends, uh, so then the, 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 the leader of the project wanted to really like make an impact in the real world. So they know how much of an influence that admission officers in different universities, especially the top, you know, the Ivy Leagues and other ones have. So they, you know, kind of partner to publish this uh, paper. So I observed with curiosity, you know, whether that truly changed people's behavior in terms of what high school students need to do to get prepared uh, for for colleges. Um, I think it's still because of the strong cultural, uh, you know, forces. uh, Still, there may be here and there uh, where awareness uh, and progress. But overall, I would say still, uh, is it is the same as you described. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that balance and was achieved, and also the sincerity. We talk about the sage mm. not doing things in a contrived way, and of course, the, it sounds like this type of caring. It's not sincere caring. It's like, how do I? How do I make myself look like I care so I get into the best university? Yeah, that's another, you know, I I wouldn't say that, you know, uh, that's the original thought of the initiative itself. But I worry about that in itself becomes a, making caring more common in itself become a, a virtual yeah, then everybody knows that now the admissions officers care more about caring. So they start to appear caring, which goes back to chapter two of Dao De Jing, mm-hmm. like in terms of uh, beauty and ugliness mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, good and evil. Yeah, because fundamentally, whatever system is in place that Mm -hmm. directs people, that's the thing that if it doesn't change, every action that's done within it is still going to be aligned with the values of that system. And so Mm -hmm. as long as we have this broader achievement status, wealth-based system that says implicitly and explicitly, your goal, if, if, if 
if you can, should be to achieve the most and make the most wealth that you possibly can. If then you say, and to do that, you have to be really selfless. Well, I mean, one, that's a, it's a total contradiction. And, and two, as long as the system itself still has different values and virtues, of course, people are only going to do it in a, in a game as, as a game where, okay, this is the hoop that I have to jump through to get, Mm -hmm. to get all of the status and wealth that I'm looking for. So it doesn't, it's not necessarily going to change anything unless we fundamentally change the structure of society and society's values. So that's ultimately what the leadership would have to do. Like the, the whole system would have to lead differently. And as long as it's not doing that, then why would you expect high school kids to do a better job of it than what the system is doing? Um, let me try to understand, you know, a little bit more about this system. As a human society, it seems like when, whenever we have a problem, we come up with a solution or a system, right? And then very soon we 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 see that that system produces let's say, unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. It's kind of against the original kind of intent, the problem we are trying to solve. So that sounds like a very uh, interesting circle. So without a system, what, what what else can be in place if we broaden our options and possibilities? Well, it's so it it's taking away things, not adding to them. That, in essence, is the message of of Lao Tzu, which is that there is a natural flow of things. There's a natural way of being in the human heart, but it's the things that have been created that have corrupted. The human heart. So it's not about adding a system. It's that's take take away the toxins. That's take away the poisons, and that's the thing that's not going to happen. So, for example, Lao Tzu says, when you when you value difficult to obtain goods, then robbers appear. So mm-hmm. Lao Tzu says, hey, yeah, when when you say there's this chunk of metal called gold. There's these gems called diamonds. There's these houses that are selling for $200 million. There's these cars that will cost you a million dollars. And it's impossible to get them unless you have a huge amount of wealth And you really also can't get a huge amount of wealth unless you have status because people with status are the ones that have the wealth and they're not even going to talk to someone unless you have status. So if you're just working a nine to five job, people with wealth are not going to talk to you. Um, So as long as those are the things that are driving this whole system, that's what pollutes people's hearts. That's what pollutes people's minds. And now you've created chaos. Lao Tzu said this very clearly. And then he also talked about the status part. He said, essentially, there shouldn't be status. So Lao Tzu could see very early on in human civilization that arbitrarily defining things as having great wealth or great, mm-hmm. great value and arbitrarily bestowing status on people, that creates chaos. And I think you can see the vast majority of chaos that we see in the world, it points back some way or another another to this, that you know, if we removed those toxins from our society, people would live a lot simpler, their hearts would not be as corrupt, and 
society would be, um, there would be a lot more harmony in society. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. What you're saying reminds me of some of the uh, executive coaching work uh, I've been doing in the uh, corporate world. Uh, you know, a lot of companies are trying to uh, make changes or um, achieve some kind of a desired progress. What I see typically doing is, you know, that kind of progress, that kind of change get translated into, you know, something in, into the value system. Basically, they, the leaders through communication will tend to prioritize or emphasize something, you know, telling people now innovation is something we valued or now customer focus is something we value. And uh, so that kind of communication, you know, sets the tone. Uh, so the expectation is people will follow that. Um, and on top of that, you know, maybe they do some change of the HR system, you know, through um, either training and development or uh, compensation and benefits. So to further incentivize people toward that behavior. What I see over the years, which is very interesting is, you know, there is a little bit, I mean, I can't say it's not, it's all failure. Uh, it does maybe in the short term, you know, sometimes you have to look at the time horizon. In the short term, there is this, you know, uh, this is uh, alignment of behavior to what is being desired. But then later, all kinds of complications start to merge. It's almost like there are forces that sabotage, you know, the original scheme or plan. Hmm. Um, so the question I'm asking you is, um, you know, in the society, our fundamental, I think there is at least there's some kind of agreement uh, or conventional agreement, let's say, that society needs to make progress. For example, you know, for Chinese government to be legitimate and to be supported, you know, there needs to be a promotion of, uh, let's say, uh, Chinese dreams uh, or the re uh, uh, renewal of Chinese uh, influence in the world. Mm -hmm. For this country, you know, the politicians, you know, let's say on the uh, democratic side, you know, need to say, you know, we need to preserve democracy. Uh, so all these seems to indicate to the, you know, to the masses or everyone, that kind of, of, you know, what is being valued? What do you see? Like, should we do that or should we just let, let it, to, to what extent we need to do this kind of uh, pace setting or prioritization or valuing? Or to what, ex, you know, should we go to another extreme, just let everybody to determine it without any kind of a, a common standard? Or do you see what I mean? Like the society and the nature, what distinguishes human beings is that what, what is believed to be human agency and what is believed to be the society needs to be progress. That's kind of ingrained in most people thinking. So, you know, I'm, I'm talking uh, and thinking aloud with you. Is it a matter of balance or is it like, we need to shift to another model, which is let every individuals or nations, you know, determine according to their own culture and tradition uh, and, and, and the value system. So I'm pretty sure based upon what Lao Tzu described as an ideal situation for humans that civilization 
in it, all of its pretty much modern forms are is directly at odds with Taoist thought, with with Lao Tzu's thought, and probably uh, Zhuangzi's thought too, because mm-hmm. all of them rejected the the imperial court, right? Like they all rejected that as anything to be taken seriously at all. And so it's like trying to say, how do we, how do we get water to stay in this vase that has all these holes drilled in it? Mm -hmm. You can, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can try, you can try a million different ways, but as long as the, the nature of that vase is to have all these holes in it, it's, it's, it's comical. It's absurd. What do you mean by the holes in the vase? Like, what is that metaphor? Is you, let's say, uh, with the you know human beings or human society? You you can't fix something that's just fundamentally never going to work. What is never going to work in in this in? the type of civilization that people keep trying to create over and over again throughout time. I mean, people keep, keep trying to do these things using, I mean, cause you were talking about the, the people at the top sending out messages and like the kind of the carrot and the stick mm-hmm. for people. And, and all of that still is about controlling people under you know the the subscription to a a nation Mm -hmm. uh, a a corporation whatever and so fundamentally all that is is based upon the the structure of status where there's the the people deciding and then the people being controlled and that's what civilization has always been about. I mean, when you go back to earliest earliest civilizations that you know post agricultural, where you know re- religion plays a big role, where the state plays a big role, it's always about an elite group of people at the top trying to control all the people at the bottom. And with the end result of maintaining the power structure that the people at the top have created, mm-hmm. and it continue. Generally, what happens is that that continues to get more and more um, out of balance until it, it topples over. So, whether we look at African civilizations. Mayan, Aztec civilizations, European civilizations. It, I mean, it doesn't matter which civilization you look at. Mm-hmm. It's that same pattern over and over and over again of a, a, a civilization gets structured, status gets created where there's a small number of people at the top who get all of the highest status and a disproportionate number of resources. And generally, the bigger that the disparity is between the people at the top and the people at the bottom, mm-hmm. it's a sign that that civilization is probably on its way out, like it's going to collapse somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that has happened over and over and over again throughout time. It's never not happened. And Lao Tzu was pretty clear in saying why that happens. He was just like, yeah, there's, there's too much wealth inequality. There's too much disparity in status. You have people who have everything and then all these people who have nothing. And he said, that's how you create a sickness in society that's out of balance. But the thing is, every civilization has done that. There's never been a civilization to not create these huge separations and status between whether it's a religious based one where you have the high priests and priestesses at the top 
or whether it's economic, where you have um, the the people at the highest level of industry, you know, what we would call like an oligarchy. I mean, that's essentially, you know, people who control the companies with a lot of either natural resources or technology or whatever it is. But that's always been the case. And then it collapses. And so fundamentally, we keep building these, we have, we keep doing these same models of civilization and it keeps resulting in the same end result, which is that civilizations rise, they collapse, they fall and another one comes up and takes its place. So to some extent, I think we do have to look at, well, then that's just Tao at work. But the the problem with that is, is that there's still people who live on the planet who haven't done that. And they've, they, they exist now just like we do. There's, there's tons of, I shouldn't say tons, but there's hundreds of indigenous tribes who never participated in creating this type of civilization and they still exist. And even though loggers and mining companies are trying to wipe them out and murder them and push them off their lands, just like all civilizations have, have done, they're still alive. And anything that's living at this point in time on the earth has succeeded at, from a biological survival standard. Like those genes can get passed on. You know, the genes of an ant can get passed on in 2022, just like the genes of a human. They're evolutionarily equal because, you know, people can become extinct. If the ant lives on, it's the ant species that then inherits the earth. So it is with these civilizations, these hundreds of indigenous tribes that have persisted and existed It wouldn't surprise me at all if when this global civilization topples that it's these indigenous people that keep doing just fine because they've never participated in this system. They haven't belonged to this system. And they continue on their way as long as you know we don't create some giant nuclear fallout around the planet that kills everyone. So... That's that's the naive way that people look at the world. They assume, well, yeah, people just build civilizations. That's what we do. We we have to live in these really crazy, absurd civilizations. And it's like, no, there's still tribe hundreds of tribes out there that have never bought into this crazy way of living, and they're still here. They're still doing it. They're still doing what they've always done. That's a very uh, that's a very insightful um, observation. I wonder why human beings uh, repeat, keep on repeating this way of building and rebuilding um, civilizations. Uh, is it something? Uh, is it just a matter of they don't know other options? So talking about human agency here. So uh, if we're talking about the the ultimate freedom, then you know, logically speaking, they should be able to see all the choices and they are, you know, uh, evaluating. But ironically, they're just like repeating the same pattern. Is there in? Is it because of the? structure of their mind in their psyche that craves for order and the coherence and control that kind of lead them to making the same choice of building and rebuilding civilization yeah i mean there's the there's the people who they they want to be that person with all the wealth and power. And so there within the current system, there's always 
people who get attracted then to, oh yeah, like I want to be Obama. I want to be, um, you know, wh- whoever. I want to be someone mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, a, a billion dollars. And so, and the system encourages that. And so people get taught that very young age, as soon as they're learning, they're already learning about money. They're already learning about, you know, whatever they see. I don't even know what it's like to be a little kid these days where from the time that you're born, you're interacting with the internet. I mean, I'm concerned that these people are, they're, they're not going to have any sense of existence outside of what I would call the garbage dump of the internet. I mean, it's, it's, it's so much useless knowledge, which Lao Tzu also talks about knowledge and how poisonous knowledge is to human existence and society too. And I think he, he, he could see it even thousands of years ago, how that affects the human mind and certainly had no, clue about what was going to happen with the internet and the metaverse. I mean, people's minds are going to be turned to mush very er, er, early on without a doubt. And I don't know that they're going to have any sense of anything outside of the system. I see. So that is part of the, either we call it the socialization process or education, right? Education yeah, uh, plays a role in that. It's uh, yeah, socialization and education, definitely. It, it's how people are socialized, and so that's just what they think it means to be a human. And it's like, no, this is not. It, this is one way of being socialized. Right, right. Why does this? Um, you know, I you know I can imagine not everyone. You know. You know, maybe there are a few people who are able to see through this. I was always wondering, the people who see through this never become a mainstream force. Mm-mm. How do you explain that? Uh, you know, they are the ones who, you know, based on our discussion, who potentially may point human race towards something, you know, to, toward other choices mm-hmm. that are available to us. But when you look around, I was wondering why that kind of thoughts or insight cannot be translated into a larger force for turning this tide. Yeah, because it's it's at odds with the values of whatever the current civilization is. And so, of course, it's not going to get amplified. If anything, it's going to be tried to be extinguished. So, you know, even looking at Jesus, right? I think Jesus didn't really get popular until, you know, a couple hundred years after he died because, and of course, why did it get popular? Right. He was a radical himself. Like he uh, challenged the hypocrisy of uh, the Pharisees and, you know, the, the basically Judaism. Yeah. 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 So this the system was never going to popularize Jesus because Jesus was just like, this system is completely awful, corrupt. It, right. it, it, it There's nothing spiritual about it at all. And it didn't. Jesus as a story, as a narrative, didn't get popularized until after the Nicene Convention in 323 AD, when, you know, it's it's the fusion of religion and the state. And the Roman state was just like, hey, this this Jesus story, like people really like it, you know, and and you know we would actually be able to control them a lot easier if we just said like, Hey, Christianity is the Roman 
church now. You know, it's the Roman, like the the Roman government says Christianity is what we're doing now. That's our official religion. And of course, at that point, religion and the state just got fused together and the, the spiritual part of it was destroyed. And what you had left was just a, a way, a system for controlling people, creating that difference in status. You had, you know, the, the priests at the top and all of the lowly people at the bottom. And so now it was no longer a relationship between an individual and God. You had to get your relationship to God by going through the state, through a priest, and there you go. So that's why it doesn't get popularized. It doesn't get popularized until it can be co-opted and turned into something to maintain the status quo. Then the whole flavor has changed. It's not that. It's not what it is anymore. No. Right. You know, there's a powerful parallel uh, throughout in Chinese history. Uh, Confucius' idea, you know, started as a more independent, you know, more reflective uh, kind of way of living. Um, but you know, after the Qing Empire. Uh, you know, the Han Dynasty started to, you know, uh, you know, cherry pick uh, some kind of ideology to support its own system. And then Confucianism, you know, a lot of the ideas because, you know, there is a, it, it's powerful because Confucius talked about benevolence, benevolence, and the, the first Qing emperor, emperor was very cruel. So among the people, people are looking for some kind of um, virtues and kindness. So there's, you know, just like Jesus' idea, it, it got very popular. But then, you know, the, the rulers kind of jump onto the bandwagon, you know, of something that has the whole heart support and they embrace that as something like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say state religion, but it's definitely a official, uh, officially supported mm -hmm. thinking process. Then they institutionalize the entrance examination. Everybody needs to, you know, read the text, but then the whole spirit got lost. Isn't that similar to what happened to the Christian church? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah you turn it again, as soon as something becomes contrived, you've lost it. Then what to do? It seems like it's pretty uh, pessimistic in terms of how human beings deal with those things. You know, they have the intelligence or, you know, the wisdom to realize, you know, these very deep reality, right? At least through Jesus or Confucius or Socrates, but it, but the, the the irony is for that thing to get broader, for everybody to receive to 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 be at scale, it turns around and becomes something false. Yeah. So I find that is very ironical and interesting phenomenon. Yeah, and. And it would be pessimistic, except for the fact that, again, there's still people who have rejected that way of living and have stayed true to what I believe is probably most the closest to a Taoist way of, of living, just, you know, eschewing status, wealth hoarding, and just living simply in nature with each other. People do that. People ha have done that. They have avoided becoming part of these corrupt civilizations. And now, you know, it's a global, what I would call a global civilization of corruption where, you know, most countries around the world now are part of it and all contributing to it and all subscribe to those values. 
So it would be pessimistic, except for the fact that, you know, even though it's far less than 1% of the population, there's people still proving, no, you actually don't have to live this way. You actually don't have to destroy the entire planet and, you know, kill millions of creatures unnecessarily each year and destroy forests and mountains and streams and rivers just so that you can keep this insane machine going. They're still alive. They're still out there doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can, when you're talking about that, I can think of, uh, think of a lot of the, um, throughout history, historical figures like, uh, San Francis, you know, who chose to live a voluntary, you know, poverty and abandoning his, you know, uh, merchant father. Hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of the Christian mystics who are on the margin of the, you know, overall Christian kingdom, um, not part of the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And of course, later, you know, some of them were made into sense. So that's another interesting merge of, you know, using the mainstream. I think that's happening all the time. You know, sometimes, let's say, you know, taking China, for example, I think in recently I picked up a lot of the discussions regarding the virtues and morals the government tried to promote. For example, trying to be more uh, hardworking and frugal. Uh you know, during my time when I was young, all these things are considered to be really like very, um, very lofty. It's something that we are, as a person, we're aim at. What gets com- complicated is nowadays people, I see like the two phenomena. One is people still like recognize those things as good, but at the same time, they resist the government of promoting it because they are afraid they are exploited. Mm-hmm. And while the others, it's similar to you know a lot of the acquisition of uh, uh, of the left left uh, leftist mm-hmm. uh, you know group in this country uh, talking about climate change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that uh, you know a lot of people they live a very um, extravagant lifestyle, Mm -hmm. you know, planes and big houses. Mm -hmm. But then they talk the talk of the crime, you know, the climate crisis. So that kind of hypocrisy, I think people see through nowadays. That's why people are torn between the, you know, the, the virtue itself, which is a good thing, just naturally, it's a good thing. But at the same time, once you start to talked about it and, you know, embody it, you are afraid that you're being, you know, ripped off by those people who talk to talk, but not really walk to talk. Yeah. And for good reason, because it happens all the time. I mean, when you have someone who's an industrialist, like mm-hmm. um, Bill Gates or someone you know, who wants to lecture everybody else. It's like, you know, (laughs) he just seems so out of touch with his whole existence. And um, same thing with the celebrities who, Mm -hmm. it seems like they want to lecture people so much, but live the most privileged, extravagant lifestyles as, as anyone And, you know, it's, there's, you don't even have to see through it because it's so just obviously arrogant and hypocritical. So, yeah, I think people, people have lost faith in institutions and celebrities and all these things for good reason, because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's obvious. It's very obvious. So, if, yeah, if we lose faith, but still we somehow need it, how do you reconcile that tension? 
Well, people were because if you lose faith because you are skeptical, you don't want to be brainwashed mm-hmm. by an outside force, right? But also, as a human being, we have a need for living a life. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of who says it, we have a. It seems like it's part of a human nature to create something like meaningful for us. So those two things seem to be at odds with each other, because the moment you, I tell you, say you are a politician, I tell you I what I valued, then you turn around and make what I valued into some kind of persuasion techniques, and hook me to help you achieve your self agenda. Yeah, and and. And so, yeah, losing that faith, how do people reconcile it? We can see how people reconcile it, and it's not too pretty. You know, look at the the opioid deaths that are occurring in this country and the rate that they're happening. That's how people reconcile it. They go to drugs, die, drink too much, smoke, vape get distracted with, you know, it's football season. That's how people reconcile it. There's When you say reconcile it, you mean like they try to, but that sounds to me like a escaping from it. Right. That's how it gets reconciled because they recognize like, oh, this whole thing is a joke. This whole, okay. this whole system is a joke and it is rigged against me. Right. And, and yet, like my, I don't have any other options, so I have to participate in it. And so reconciling it then becomes using any number of ways to numb out, to distract. Or tamping, tamping, like a life flat yep. is another example of, yeah. Or yeah. quiet quitting. That's another in the corporate world. It's called quiet quitting. Yeah. Or become a workaholic. Be like, oh, you know, I'm actually going to double down and rather than resign or give up, I'm just going to work, work myself to death, not necessarily change anything, but, you know, it's a way of distracting and, you know, mm, ma- not really thinking about these hard issues, right? I don't have to face. Okay. Exactly. Don't have to face it. I'm actually going to be an even better um, citizen, which just means being compliant, not putting up any um, resistance and, and just doing what you're told, but do it, you know, twice as hard as everybody else. Yeah, I see. I, I can see a lot of that. I can. Yeah. Around me. Um, so are there better ways? So we see like people try to escape and not being part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, in a see through the absurdity of things. And things who are uh, people who are, you know, doubling down. These are the patterns. Are there other ways you think to cope with this uh, tension that I try to articulate? Yeah, I mean, there's a thousand really unhealthy ways, and you know, I I think I've tried all of them probably a few times. Um. But I think just ultimately still trying to live the values of, you know, the the thing that I think Lao Tzu said and Zhuangzi and and not just them, but other people who have seen just what a disaster um, structuring society this way it, it generally is for most people. You, at least at the minimum, try to speak honestly about it. So I think, you know, writers who write honestly about it, who don't just like willfully blind themselves because it benefits them and call it for what it is. I mean, if you're born into this system, it's really hard to not 
contribute to it, to be part of it. I mean, because again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shape. Sometimes even unconsciously, right? The writer may think that uh, he or she has a clear, uh, you know, his or her own conscience when the thoughts putting are putting to words in a social setting. Sometimes I w- was wondering whether that con- unconsciously it can be turning to something you know, unintended or, or, or has its own social implications. Yeah, tell me more what you mean by that. I mean, how can you distinguish a person who say, oh, I'm just speaking my true belief? In itself, is problematic yeah. because how do you know that your thoughts are true? You don't. Exactly. Like so, so acknowledging that I think gives that person a lot of the credibility. Uh because without acknowledging it, the other people may see that person itself, you know, as not credible. Yeah. I mean, I think we have this is the biggest problem is that most people believe that all of their conditioning is the truth. And it's like yeah, getting to that point where you realize, oh, my brain is actually the dumpster of all of the lies and crap that came before me that got passed down to me, and it's full of gunk. Yeah, but but ironically, people don't put that disclaimer before they state their opinion. How many times, <laughs> right? And there are people who put that disclaimer, but they know how to play the game, so they just put a disclaimer in order to better protect their own opinion. Again, right? that seems to... Do, do you see, there are two kinds of people. One kind who, you know, just tell that people what they, they believe they truly think without being aware and put that disclaimer. And there are people who are skillful enough in politics who put that disclaimer and appear to be humble and open-minded but they are not truly, they, they aren't. Exactly. Their whole purpose is still trying to manipulate people into their way and their aspiration. That's what I see. One, it, one is sophisticated, so-called sophisticated and skillful. The other is just very blunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like the whole, in, in, in my humble opinion, that's a way. Okay. In, in my humble opinion, which is also the one that I believe is right. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 How do you make all these people? Uh, these people seem to master the art of disarming others. But at the end of the day, you can not know for sure. You know, I, I'm putting the word not for sure because I have to give some people the benefit of doubt. But you can bet that some of the people, they just say it because they know it's a technique yeah. to disarm other people, but they are still pursuing their self selfish interest. I think those people exist. Yeah, they're they're trying to inoculate people from seeing how arrogant they actually are. Yeah, yeah. And only, and only God knows, because there's no other individuals, you know, right now with our technology to know what's truly going on in that person. Or, you know, and, and I know we're running out of time, but, or even why we're here, what it means to be a human. I mean, we don't know, we still don't know fundamentally the nature of existence. We, we fundamentally don't know the nature of reality. We continually question the nature of reality and keep finding, we don't know the answers. We don't know any of these things. And what most civilizations have done has replaced that curiosity, that awe, that love that can arise when we recognize that we're all in this state of not knowing and we've replaced it with concrete things. Certainty, right? Certainty. Status, wealth, certainty, schedules, time, 
that is the problem. That is what has killed the magic of living. And I know that through experience. So I, I'm not saying that I know a way, but I do n- know what it looks like to replace all of those magical things of existing with certainty, which has killed everything, which has killed all of that. That's a great point. Uh, I know we're uh, at the top of the hour and our conversation, you know, uh, gets a little bit away from the, the chapter, but still using this chapter as, as really as a springboard for our discussion today. I think we haven't found the answers, but through our own in, you know, experience and genuine discussion, I think we touch upon some of the things uh, you know, we uh, experience. And I hope that our listener can, rate, can relate to you know, some of these points. And, you know, let's, you know, continue this discussion and uh, continue this journey of discovery. The timeless walk, in essence, is a, time, is a continuous discovery, I believe. <laughs>